The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, first of all, I want to say happy Mother's Day to everyone out there listening. Mother's Day was yesterday, if you're listening to this on a Monday. And I can't think of a better way to spend Mother's Day than at American Family Field, watching the Milwaukee Brewers finish off a sweep. The Brewers did what they asked. Bad team comes to town. Bad team leaves with three losses. But before we get into all that, thank you for joining me, my co-host and good friend, Adam McGee. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Andrew. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers in the U.S. I d- I d- it, it is not Mother's Day here, and this is a thing that gives people severe anxiety every year where you'll just start to see Mother's Day posts. You're like, what? Was that not a couple of months ago? Which it was. I think some of continental Europe goes with this timing for it. I don't know. What I do know is I love to see the Brewers break out the pink bats and hit some dingers. And that's what we got today. That is definitely what we got today. Uh, we talked about the Brewers being in a bit of a tough position, losing five out of their last series, or five out of their last six series, uh, most recently dropping the final two games of a series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, the team was not showing any signs of panic in the clubhouse, it didn't seem, and uh, they have 
taking care of their business in a series against the team that they should beat before heading out on a road trip. And that's something that uh, is encouraging for Brewers fans who maybe had been, uh, you know, down for the last few weeks. Uh, before we get into that, Adam, I think there's only real one bit of news and, and notes to bring up. Um, and if you have something as well, obviously feel free to jump in after this. And it's a news and note that may not be relevant uh, by the next turn, by today's spot in the rotation's next turn. Uh, Eric Lauer was temporarily uh, moved to a bullpen role. And uh, we got to see what that looks like uh, at the end of the series. But uh, right now, uh, or at least going into this series, Lauer was a guy we had talked about who was struggling. Uh, 16 walks and eight homers and 34 and a third innings was really giving him some uncompetitive outings. And they thought that a shift to the bullpen would allow him to sort of hone in on fixing whatever's wrong with him and take some of the pressure off. And, uh, yeah, I guess going into things this week, I thought it was going to be something that um, would, would be giving a little more time than than one go around through the rotation. And we still don't know how that will shake out. But, um, yeah, kind of the natural progression to the conversation that we had about Lauer at the end of last week's podcast Similarly to how after the Matt Bush, uh, Javi Guerra disaster um, to wrap up a series, the, the very uh, next day we got some immediate news on what that would look like moving forward and Matt Bush going to the IL and Javi Guerra getting designated for assignment. Similarly, the Brewers uh, for the moment made a call with Eric Lauer and we'll see how long it lasts. But I don't know if you had any thoughts on that on whether or not you think it should continue or if today, which we'll get to later, was enough to uh go back to some normalcy. I'm not sure how instructive today really was because we may have learned more if he had got out of there after three innings or four innings and we'd seen something more equivalent really to what we expect of, you know, a bullpen role, even if it is a long relief role in the bullpen. Um we essentially got a the equivalent of what we see when Lara starts. I mean, it felt like a start that started in the middle of a game. It's exactly what it was. Um, because at this point, I wouldn't say I'm overly confident that we'll get him to six innings on any occasion this year. So the fact that he gets out of there on five and a third innings is like, yeah, okay, that seems right. Uh, pitched well, but I did feel like didn't have, which this has been his problem. Um, all season didn't really have the stuff to put guys away on a number of occasions and I guess that's one of the things you would hope that in the bullpen maybe he could unload and be able to do it a little bit more easily when you're going five and a third that doesn't quite happen and then just to close it out and it was all going so well and you're like this is might be exactly what he needs uh, two solo shots in the night we'll get to it we'll talk about that in more detail for the context of this conversation, I don't know if it offers much more clarity. Um, I think what we can take from this trip around the rotation is Colin Ray is probably not it. Maybe you can get away with a few more starts of him doing the kind of things he's done. Like, I, Not to get us back to what was you know, a trigger point for you last year. Colin Ray is starting to feel very Jason Alexander-y and even the trajectory of how good his early starts were, and now maybe we're starting to see that wear off a little bit. Um, 
and they probably need better than that at that spot and they certainly need better from Eric Lauer than what he's giving them. There's not an ideal solution ready-made in terms of what they have on the roster right now. I would probably trust more in Eric Lauer because of what's banks there and because we know what he can do. And even I think you can just trust him to get you deeper into games. But as much as it seems counterintuitive, the reason Lauer was moved to the bullpen is because they're trying to find something for him and trying to give him some respite where his confidence bumps up a little bit. Um, I don't know. If you put him out there to start and it goes wrong again, if you just if you just pivot back and he's starting and he gives up seven runs and five homers through three innings like in his next start, don't think that's gonna do you any good in the longer term either. So they're in it they're in a pretty tough spot here. I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe go another another time round with something like this and hope Ray can get you further into a game. I, I don't know what you think on this, like he got it going, and in some of the other games in this series, they used quite a few relievers. So, yeah, you kind of you make sense you keep him at that point. Does the fact that he stayed in the game so long, though, just indicate that they really were hoping this could be a fix from the bullpen and just get him straight back in and didn't really want to mess around with his rhythm or the kind of length he was going in games beyond that? Because part of me was thinking when this news broke, okay, if we could see him have like two or three two-inning appearances where he does really nice, quick, clean work, like that does seem confidence-building. Um, but then I guess maybe you have to build back up a little bit. And I don't know. I'm I'm not the expert on the timings of that and managing the pivot from a starting role to a bullpen role and then probably even more so back up to going full start yeah there are two i guess schools of thought on this i think sophia minert on the broadcast did mention that he had been approaching his preparation for whenever he came into this game as if he was a starting pitcher in terms of like how he would build up with his i guess warm-up so to speak um so there are two schools of thought it did the did craig get to a point where he had seen what he had seen from colin ray and thought well uh, you know, this might be this might not be what we're gonna go with the next time through the rotation. Let's throw Lauer if we can a typical starters workload and and see that if it goes well, he can be that option next time through. He goes five and a third innings, eighty-seven pitches. The other school of thought is well, it makes all the sense in the world to have Lauer eat the rest of this game because y'all Piants worked on back-to-back days. Peter Strezlecki worked on back-to-back days. Hobie Milner had, throw t- had thrown uh, two innings. Elvis Aguero threw on Friday and previously in the last series had had uh, multi-inning work. So I could, I could see either case that he was saying, let's go out there and throw a normal starter's workload and maybe if it goes well, pencil you into that next start to the rotation if we're to option Colin Ray or move him to the bullpen. Or it was, bullpen's gotten some work the last few days and into the last week. Well, let's try and get through this game without uh, using those guys, those high leverage guys we normally go to in a game that we feel pretty secure in and be well rested going into the road trip. So I can see either school of thought, really. And I mean, the the other side of it is Colin Ray trying 81 pitches, Lara trying 87. 
feels like Ray is going to get optioned at least temporarily, even if he is starting again, just so you're not having two arms out of commission for the next few days. I mean, maybe saving the bullpen means that's not the end of the world. But you don't know what kind of games you could end up in. Um, I mean, the starting rotation is shaping up pretty nicely for your next tree anyway to kind of work that out and buy some rest. It's just, it's kind of a wild card thrown in there. And it's it's been a weird few weeks in this regard because obviously we had Hauser throwing in the bullpen or on a throwing bullpen levels of workload with Nashville working his way back up and then he gets up and situation more than anything circumstance dictates he needs to be a starter and then we're in a spot where maybe the reverse of what we would have foreseen happening this season which is Lauer ending up in the bullpen and Hauser is a starter. I don't know. It's just kind of all very stretched and all over the place. And maybe we've got to just, maybe they've got to go through this and let it play out with Lauer in the bullpen, see how he does, see how his confidence builds. And maybe it all finds its level, but there is just, there's more than something a bit off. Like just the Brewers pitching right now, it's not like results are completely catastrophic, but there are a lot of spinning plates. And uh, I just wonder, are they giving themselves more opportunities for all those plates to come crashing down? Uh, I've never spun plates, Adam, but um, would, would love to spin plates with you uh, if uh, we're ever in the same room again, see how it goes. Uh, we'll go back to the start of this series. Uh, Friday night, trying to figure out <laughs> what day I'm in. Uh, Corbin Burns on the mount, uh, bullpen day for the Royals with Josh Taylor, a left-hander, getting the start. Brewers score early uh, with Willie Adamas on base. A Christian Yelich infield single makes it one nothing after the first inning. Owen Miller then in the third inning with a solo homer to left field for his first home run as a Brewer. Then in the fourth inning, Tyrone Taylor singles to score. Brian Anderson, it's 3 nothing Brewers after four innings. And Corbin Burns, uh, Pitched really well, still fighting his command as he has done from time to time this season. Two hits, four walks, but he did strike out seven uh, and didn't allow any runs. So another step in the right direction for Corbin, even if it was shaky at moments. Uh, I thought he really buckled down and did what he should do against a bad team. I think he set the tone for the series, which is very welcome, and it's really what you need for him when it opens up with him getting the start. This is exactly the kind of thing we have called for in series like this. I think at this particular moment, there is no underestimating the importance of it for the Brewers to just get back on track, really go take care of business, pick up your wins and move into what's an even more important series up next and a chance to really, really have some fun. Um, It's what you want to see from Corbin Burns. He's in a spot where I think we're rounding into a very nice place. Uh, there have been some ups and downs, but again, it's just the whole Brewers pitching situation has been in such a state of flux. That's kind of been tough, but it feels like Corbin is growing more and more comfortable, and I'm hoping the best of his season is still very much in front of us. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh reason for optimism and like you said uh, hopefully the best is yet to come his ERA for the season down to 3.35 um, Max Castillo was who relieved Josh Taylor 
for the Royals, and I thought he was actually pretty uh, decent at limiting the damage to what it was. He threw four and a third innings, allowed six hits, and walked three, but had four strikeouts and only allowed those two runs. Uh, the Royals would score in the seventh inning. Corbin Burns removed to the, from the game. Yoel Piamps comes in, and Freddie Fermin uh, hits a solo homer to make it uh, three to one Brewers at that point. Royals trying to claw back into this game. But then in the seventh inning, the man of the hour, the man of the series, Christian Yelich singles to score Owen Miller. Um, that would make it 4-1. Uh, could have had a bigger inning, uh, but Willie Adamas uh, got thrown out uh, a little base running error there as he thought William Contreras was going to be sent around to home. But uh, Jason Lane held him at third. Uh, but they would get another Brian Anderson opposite field, single to right field, scores Contreras, and it's 5-1 Brewers from that point. They would gain, uh, then get scoreless re- relief work, excuse me, tongue-tied, from Peter Strzelecki and Elvis Aguero to close out the game. Brewers uh, find themselves with a pretty convincing and tidy 5-1 to one win to start the series off on the right track. Shall we move ahead to Game 2, Adam? Let's do it. On the mound for the Brewers, Adrian Hauser facing off against former Brewer and just all-time legend. Anytime you see a story uh, in some publication that is interviewing teammates about Zach Grinke, you go and read it to see all of the weird things that he does, some of the genius things that he does. I'm pretty sure on one article that was on The Athletic, there was something about how he just like had an Uber Eats guy who was just like his guy. It was originally a guy who was you know, driving for uh, Uber Eats. And now Zach Greinke will just text him and have him go pick up stuff and give him like a big tip. So he's got a personal Uber Eats guy. Like that. that's that's everything you got to know about Zach Greinke. Um, Adrian Hauser was the full Adrian Hauser experience. Uh, four innings pitch, eight hits, just one walk, um, but three earned runs uh, allowed a homer. Couldn't make it. Uh, through five innings, obviously only only got to four just because the pitch count gets up to, to 88 pitches and they're ramping him back up. Uh, the scoring was started in the first. A Melendez sacrifice fly score jo- Bobby Witt Jr. after Bobby Witt Jr., I believe, had opened the game up with a leadoff double. Uh, then Prado doubles to left in third to score Melendez. It's two to nothing Royals early in this game. Then Christian Yelich with Bryce running on base hits a homer to dead center field, actually absolutely crushes it to tie the game up at two. In the fifth inning, um, the thing that would be, I believe, uh, Adrian Hauser's undoing a Salvador Perez home run to left field makes it 3-2 Royals. Hobie Milner comes onto the game, uh, fires two scoreless inning with just one hit allowed and one strikeout. Then in the sixth, Christian Yelich again, home run to tie the game, makes it 3-3. Just an outstanding series for Yelich. I mean, we'll get to more of it in the final game. Yeah, we'll get to it more in the final game of the series, but... I mean, I don't want to say it yet. We're, we're not going to say it. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll say it in a few minutes. Listen, I'm going to say it. I'll, go, I'll at least ask about it, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Granky, uh, for his part, was pretty good for where he is in his career. Obviously, he's getting towards the the end days of his career. This reunion with the Kansas City Royals is, uh, I think, as Logan in the Discord called it uh, a few weeks ago, his... his uh, nostalgia trip and so that's how he's kind of just playing out his career uh no more winning just uh finish it where where it all started 
Um, well, he is he is grabbing his share of some history though. I was gonna because you oh, went yeah. past the Do the fifth the fifth inning on some on the Brewers note, which is generally how we go inning by inning here. But um, in the fifth inning, uh, Zach Greinke made some history of his own, striking out Bryce Trang and Joey Weimer meant he recorded his one thousand. Let me. What's the best way of wording this? He struck out one thousand different batters. Yes. Um, which makes him only the fifth player in ALNL history to have done so, joining Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens. I am not necessarily a student of the game just yet, but I, I know all of those names, Andrew. That seems like very impressive company, and this milestone just generally seems insane to me. Um, 1,000 strikeouts, it's hard enough to achieve in Major League Baseball to strike out 1,000 different batters. Well, I I tip my hat to you. Yes, the tip of the cap to Zach Granke. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, the Brewers would get some good bullpen work after Adrian Hauser left the game. Uh, as we noted, two scoreless from Hobie Milner. Then Yoel Piamps recovers from his uh, previous blip on the radar the night before to throw a scoreless inning with two strikeouts, uh, no base runners, no runs. Peter Strezelecki comes in, fires a scoreless inning, strikes out all three uh, batters. And then Devin Williams coming on in the ninth with a tie game, uh, throws a scoreless inning to get the Brewers to the bottom of the ninth. And in the bottom of the night, the Brewers would uh, would uh, rise to the occasion and end the game so that we don't have to go to that period in baseball where that stupid man is starting the uh, 10th on second base. We all know how much I hate it. Uh, Brian Anderson leads off the night with a single uh, after Bryce Terang fly out. Owen Miller doubles to put him and Brian Anderson on second and third base. Then Joey Weimer comes to the plate, sacrifice fly to center field to score Brian Anderson. Brewers win four to three. The thing I loved about that is uh, Joey Weimer immediately just recognizing uh, 
that he had gotten the job done and they were going to win the game rises that or raises his hand to the air to begin the celebration. Brewers win four three. Joey Weimer with the walk off sack fly. What I liked about it, and it was noted on the the broadcast on Sunday during the final game, um, in relaying Craig Council's reaction to it, was Joey Weimer notably, you know, every time up, <laughs> swings out of his shoes. Uh, seems to only have one speed when it comes to his plate appearances. And Council was crediting him with, that's exactly what he expected to see out of Weimer. He was curious to see what he'd deliver in such a big spot. It was a big opportunity. And actually, there was a little bit more control to it. And he, he picked his spot, he saw the moment, and he delivered. So obviously it's been uh, up and down and considerably more down than up at the plate for Joey Weimer in the major league so far. But that was a little bit of recognition and a bit of, you know, smarts to just deliver in the moment that I wonder, can he expand that beyond them? We see it something that's a little bit more of a consistent thing when he comes up to hit. You can't, you can't always be swinging for defenses as much as it's very entertaining and I love Joey Weimer's instinct. Um, some contact hitting wouldn't go amiss. And maybe, just maybe, that's something you can work a little bit more in. All right, Adam. We're about to have the conversation, but I still need to talk about this game first. Uh, so per the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, you know, Christian Yelich hits two homers in a game. It was the first time he had uh, had a multi- multi-homer game since August 2021. Um, so there's a note there. Uh, the second homer did come off a left-hander and Josh Taylor, the guy that had uh, been the opener in the previous game. So that left-on-left damage there. Uh, Yelich churning things around. And Adam, that would continue into the final game of the series. As we mentioned, Colin Ray on the mound against Jordan Lyles. Uh, the Royals score first in the first inning, Salvador Perez, uh, who's just a really great player who's had a, a career that I hope gets appreciated uh, when he retires at a certain point. He's been a Royal, I believe his entire career. Um, and it's just still, still performing. Like I, I don't have his last uh, few seasons in front of me or anything, but this year hitting 301, 346, 552 from the catcher position. Uh, just a, a really solid player for a long time. Uh, so he would give the Royals a one, nothing lead after the top of the first inning, then Christian Yelich would lead off the game with a 433-foot homer to right field. Pulled it, crushed it, ties the game at one. Adam, what do we make of Christian Yelich right now? Or what? Are, what do we make of it? This was this was quite a series. Three seven for eleven, three homers. I hope you can all hear like the excitement, the emotion coming into Andrew's voice there. He just doesn't want to be the one to say anything, but he really wants it to be said. Uh, this is very exciting. This is a very small sample, and it is against the Kansas City Royals, so we won't take too much from that. But the fact is, it could be against anyone. The one thing we haven't seen Yelly managing to do very successfully is in getting the ball up in the air, which I believe the quote that he gave um, after Game 2 of this series was, yeah, you can't... You can't hit a grounder for a home run, which that is that is in fact true. And he has certainly given himself 
lots of opportunities to test that theory. And yes, it turns out the ground ball is not going to go over the fence. This feels different to the strong spell he had last year where he started to make good contact and we were like, oh, look at the exit velocity on that. He's he's hitting it hard. I, I remember well we were going through the hitting it hard spell and he did get his fair share of homers last year and all in all, there was good, there was bad. I think you probably rounded out net positive. There wasn't a spell like this where he was hitting the ball like this. Um, I'll, honest, this is the first time I've seen this version of Yelich, and I would like to see a lot more of him. So, is Yelich back, Andrew? Is he back? It's too early to tell. And again, I'll say what I've had to say every time I've had this conversation. In all likelihood, the answer is no. But seeing this in there, seeing him actually successfully deliver over a few games, and he's on a Hot streak more broadly too is very, very intriguing, very exciting, and a reminder just of, oh yeah, well, the Brewers roster is like largely built the way it is for a reason, and their salary structure is the way it is for a reason. Not that they couldn't spend more. That's a conversation for another time. But what would really just help is if Christian Yelich was the Christian Yelich of old. At least for this series, he was. If he wants to keep it up against the Cardinals, then I'll really start to get excited. And who w- who wouldn't want to keep it up against the Cardinals? I'm sure Yelly himself does. Yeah, um, I agree with all of that. Definitely too early to find some sort of meaningful conclusion. But it was fun to watch this weekend, even against a bad team. I mean, well, l- uh, let me let me flip it to you. You watched plenty of Prime Yelich. You know what that looked like. Is this reminiscent of it? Like, I would this def- is the I... smallest, this is the tiniest snapshot. I know you're going to defer to others, but you, you saw plenty of Christian Yelich when he was playing at an MVP level. Like, just the explosiveness that we're seeing is something that in my year plus of doing this and watching every Brewers game... I haven't seen. I know you saw that version of Yelich, the version of Yelich that I just, I hear stories about. Is this reminiscent of that in some way? If you, if you had been asleep, I think, I think this would technically be called a coma if you're asleep for this long, but from 2018, 2019, all the way through to now, and this was the first game, the first series of baseball you'd seen. Would you just be like, "Yeah, he's the same guy. Everything looks like it did back then." I this reminded me, and it's giving me visions and things to dream on of like 2016 Yelich with the Marlins, when he hit 21 homers, had an 8.59 OPS, was a 5.3 uh, wins player according to ESPN here, and. Like he took a, drew a lot of walks, hit for reasonable reasonable amount of power, and was just a very good reliable player. Is is it reminiscent of the MVP season and then the season where he should have won MVP? Again, I'll ask, I'll ask people. I think probably what we need to see, and this is just me generalizing, is him pulling the ball like that in the air yes. consistently. 
because oh, for sure we need to I... see all of this consistently. Like this is to be clear, this is not entirely serious conversation. Uh, it's just a lot more, I don't know, fun than conversations we've been having in recent episodes. There is something different to what Yelly can do compared to anyone on this roster. And that, that has been true at points where even it's really bad and just it'll be a once in a blue moon. You'll be like, oh, there he is. Which is why, as a fan base, it's a thing that comes up every single time. He does something that reminds people of what he can do. It's like, is he back? Could he be back? Because it's just different. It's different to the Brewers' best hitters. There's just an effortlessness, an ease, a comfort, and a confidence. Like That's that's the thing which, to me, makes me buy in that, you know what? Whether it's now, whether it's some other point, he could. He could put a year together that is maybe not his peak because a lot of lot of games have been played since then. He's older. He's been through a lot as a baseball player. But that is not a million miles off that because you can see in him the way his confidence soars and the way that he could just feed on if he strung together a few weeks of this, a month of this, all of a sudden it could unlock something again because I, I think we've also, and we've heard him talk about it. Like when things have got down, when things got bad for him, he's really been down about it and he's worked through things and tried to fix it and nothing has happened. I do think if it clicked and he really started to feel the positives of it, you can see the kind of just the swagger that he brings when he is feeling it. And it's just, it's not in doubt. Yeah, and obviously the body, his body may not be the same that it was mm-hmm. during those prime years, but he looks great athletically this season. I mean, on the base paths, obviously, but he's having. Uh, there were there was the the drop fly ball and a few balls uh, on uh, like line drive ground ball singles that he's kicked around, but he's looked really good defensively for the most part, um, and is moving really well, getting good reads on balls for the most part, and making plays. Yeah, if there's, like we said, some version of Yelich between what he was in 2021 and 2022 and that prime era, if there's some middle ground there that he finally gets back to, it's really exciting as a fan, obviously, because you and I did not live MVP Yelich day to day at the time. And getting small glimpses and positive production is something that's just really exciting to watch because he's at his best, just such a fun player to watch. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, this weekend was great. Again, um, a lot of uh, baseball, I, I guess, as a dominant hitter is when a pitcher makes a mistake, like Jordan Lyles did, leaving that cookie right in the middle of the strike zone. You punish that mistake. So even if he can get back to punishing mistakes more often like that, that raises the level of his ceiling as a hitter from from what we've known it to be the last two years. It's, it's even I'm finding the gap, you know? It's like, okay, you've had three home runs in very quick succession, but you're on base with a chance to drive in some runs. That could easily be the place where you just you hit a ground ball, it's a double play, and it's like, oh, God, here we go. And he, he it's, you know, part of that is when you've got it, you've got it, and there's luck involved, but it fuels, you know, the chance that we could see something better. It fuels confidence that 
yeah, okay, right now I am going to find that gap and I won't I won't spoil what was to come, how Yelich actually scored his second run. Um, but you know, sometimes things are going your way, you're just making it impact in all kinds of ways. If uh the first bat of the series in Bush Stadium, he just launches one into the sun, I might start hyperventilating. And so uh I'll, I'll let you know the status of my respiratory system uh, at that point, if that happens. That might be for was... Discord members. That might be another one, which is, you know, it's tougher. It's tougher to sell when I'm on the other side of the world. But one of Andrew's infamous. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Adam here. <laughs> Andrew's Andrew's just had a moment and uh, he's been taken to the hospital, but they've assured us everything will be fine. Yeah, in due time, he will be OK. Um there was the rest of the game to play after Yelich pulled that homer to right. They did not stop the game. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. in the second inning uh, hits a double uh, that scores Hunter Joser um, and Nate Massey. Is that his name? Nate Massey? No, it's not. Hold on, Adam. I need to I need to do this so I don't insult the Massey family. Um, it was it Michael with an Massey. M, so it's, it's not My, Yeah, Michael Massey. Um so that would make it 3-1. This is partially my fault, Adam, because as I noted to you right before it happens, it feels like Bobby Witt's going to get a big hit here. Bobby Witt Jr., another interesting royal who maybe one day will be something. Struggling to get on base right now, but, you know, he's got some pop. Uh, then in the third inning, Hunter Dozer hits a sacrifice fly, scores Salvador Perez. That makes it 4-1 to one Royals after the top of the third inning. Uh, in the third, Yelich ground ball single through the right side scores Tyrone Taylor, puts runners on the corners and makes it a 4-2 game. Uh, Brewers trying to claw back. This is uh, <laughs> where things uh, would get a little bit interesting. I'm going to try and uh, do my best to describe exactly what happened. So Christian Yelich, uh, as you know, uh, feeling very confident and, and wanting to influence this game on the base paths as well, takes off to try and steal second base. The throw down uh, goes through the glove of Michael Garcia as he is trying to put the tag down quickly on Yelich. That scores Joey Weimer, who was in third on third base. Uh, center fielder Nate Eaton, that's the Nate I was thinking of, uh, gets the ball, uh, tries to throw Yelich out at third, who was trying to advance from there. And uh, Yelich would then end up dashing home off of that throwing error so Christian Yelich goes first to home on two bad throws, speed kills, and speed thrills at him. One of my favorite Brewers plays to date. <laughs> just absolute chaos. But again, like Yelich beaming from ear to ear, you can just see how much fun he got out of it. Everyone got out of it. I will note he was by the time the first shot, but it was a catching error at second, I guess. And um, but by the time that ball got through to second baseman's hands. Yelich was safe, so you, you could try all he wanted to tag. Yelich had already stolen, and they just made mess after mess of it from there, and it was very entertaining. And particularly given Colin Ray had not had the greatest start to this game, and the Brewers were shipping runs there behind, to just get them back like this was a thing of beauty. Uh, yes, it was. Um, it did get uh, go. It went down as a stolen base for Yelich. Error on the catch for Garcia. Error on the throw from Eaton. Uh. A wild turn of events. Anybody that like grew up playing baseball has seen that in a game before, but you don't often see it in a major league baseball game. So uh, I'm glad you got to experience that, Adam, and uh, all the joy that it brought us. 
I'm glad uh, that, that I got third... to experience it in the brewer's favor, most importantly. Yes. Because I, I don't know if I would have enjoyed that so much if the shoe had been on the other foot. And uh, that that happening would be a sign of things to come in the rest of that third uh, for the Royals. It would not get better. So tie game 4-4 four to four after the chaos of that. Owen Miller doubles to score Jesse Winker. Um, then Bryce Rain comes to the plate with two outs and hits a homer to the center field to score himself, Rowdy Tellez, and Owen Miller. 8-4 Brewers at that point. Uh, come back complete with a seven-run third inning. In the seventh, can I, the Brewers can I interrupt get... you there for a second? Just for you sure can. Todd, Todd Rosiak uh, has just tweeted out. Uh, I'll I'll read the tweet from here. Pretty cool anecdote from Owen Miller. He had a home run last year with Cleveland on Mother's Day and gave his mom the bat afterwards. He used that same bat today to extend his on-base streak to 16 games, then gave the bat back to his mom after the game. Cool story. How can you not How can you not be romantic about baseball, Adam? Uh, that's what I say to that. Uh, Colin Ray, like we had touched on earlier, did not really have it today. Three and two-thirds innings, six hits, four runs. They were all earned. Two walks, three strikeouts that home run allowed. That allowed the opportunity for Eric Lauer to come into this baseball game, and for the most part, it went well. Um, the Brewers would add some insurance in the seventh inning with a Mike Brasso pinch hit home run to left field. That made it 9-4 to four Brewers. In the ninth, after Lauer had done so much good work, allows a solo homer to Hunter Dozier and then a solo homer to Bobby Witt Jr., 9-6 at that point. Uh, Lauer would get out of the ninth to secure the 9-6 to six win for the Milwaukee Brewers. Lauer's final line, five and a third innings pitch, two hits, uh, two earned runs on the two homers, two walks, six strikeouts. So we did the uh, Lauer-Colin uh, Ray conversation at the beginning of this podcast. Um, but that's that. Brewers do exactly what they should do um, and, and and more because obviously it's, Royals are ter- terrible, but it's baseball. Teams get lucky and win one game in a series all the time. This game or this series had two instances where it could have gone either way with the late tie game on Saturday and then the Royals jumping out to a 4-1 lead in this game. Face bad team, take advantage of mistakes and beat bad team. That's exactly what the Brewers did. And that will bring them on to St. Louis with a 23-17 record and a one and a half game lead in the National League Central as the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, drop two of three games to the Baltimore Royals. Love, love that. It's been a rough few weeks, so to be in a spot where Brewers are the NL Central leaders, just two games back at the National League lead, only the Dodgers and Braves ahead of them, that's a pretty great spot to be in. Um, It does all feel like it's kind of, I don't know, paper together, barely, barely working in some regards. The Brewers have been true a lot with injuries. The pitching situation is pretty, I think, hairy at the best of times. They may need to make some moves there. Uh, I don't know if this is going to hold up to get them to a point where Brandon Woodruff is back. And even beyond that, I don't really know if the bullpen is exactly what they need. But listen, we will not complain about division lead and being right at the mix with the two heavy, heavy hitters at the top of the National League either. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to the Master Brewer leaderboard after 40 games played, if my math is correct. uh, Corbin Burns, six innings pitch, two hits, four walks, no runs, seven strikeouts. Peter Strzelecki, two innings pitch, 
no hits, no runs, three strikeouts. Toby Milner, two innings pitch, one hit, no runs, a strikeout. Devin Williams only had the one inning, but it was a high leverage inning at that and got the Brewers to the bottom of the ninth with the score still tied, which allowed Joey Weimer to hit a sacrifice fly to win the game. Christian Yelich gets two beers, seven for 11, three homers, seven RBI, four runs. What a fun series from Yelich. Owen Miller, as you said, reached base in 16 straight games, five for 12 with a homer, two RBI, three runs. I think uh, he's kind of settled into that uh, Jace Peterson role where you can play him at third base, you can play him at second base. We know he's they've had experiments with him in the outfield. He can play first base if you need him. Really like how Owen Miller has embraced his role on this team and early in the season has performed well. So uh, always like to shout out role players when they're filling that role. Brian Anderson, three for seven, one walk, two runs, one RBI. Uh, got the day off on Sunday. Um, Rowdy Telez, uh, not the flashiest series, but the guy just got on base. So, you know, that's what he's, he's going to do. <laughs> three for 10, two walks and a run score through 40 games. The leader built, board looks like this still favoring relievers at the very top but we got position players making a charge Devin Williams and Peter shows lucky with eight Christian Yelich and Brian Anderson with seven Rowdy Slads Willie Adamas Bryce Wilson with six Corbin Burns Hobie Milner Freddie Peralta Bryce Terrain Yoel Piams Wade Miley Garrett Mitchell Joey Weimer with five William Contreras with four Owen Miller Elvis Pagaro Victor Caratini Eric Lauer with three Jesse Winker Brandon Woodruff Gus Varlin Javi Garrett Jake Cousins Colin Ray Tyrone Taylor with two Luke Voigt, Mike Brasso, Matt Bush, and Tyson Miller with just a single beer. That is your Master Brewer leaderboard update through 40 games of the 2023 Major League Baseball season. Just about 25% of the way through, Andrew. That's goes by fast. Uh, let's let's hope the the second quarter of the season can be just as good, if not better, for the Brewers. And then they should be really set up to attack things later in the year when reinforcements return from injury. Will we look ahead? Let's look ahead, Adam. Uh, tomorrow, Monday, May 15th, 6.45 Central start. Freddie Peralta takes on Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty um, has struggled this year. He tried to get uh, w- Wilson Contreras fired from being a catcher. Now, apparently, they're going to return Wilson Contreras to catching. Uh, we'll see how that goes. They've won the first two games of a series against the Boston Red Sox. As we're recording this, they will uh, play the final game of that series on Sunday Night Baseball in about an hour. So we don't know the full result result of that series. The only thing I can say, Adam, is go Red Sox. Beat the Cardinals. Uh, but anyway, Freddie Peralta against Jack Flaherty, like I said, to open the series. Game two, uh, Tuesday, May 16th, 645 Central start. Wade Miley versus Jordan Montgomery. Wednesday, May 17th, 6.45 Central Start. Corbin Burns against Adam Wainwright. And then an off day Thursday before the team heads to Tampa to take on the Major League Baseball. Uh, best record, Tampa Bay Rays. They just lost two out of three games uh, to the New York Yankees and almost uh, allowed a lead to slip away in that last game. Yeah, so uh, obviously the Cardinals have had a tough time this season, but we know about the talent in that lineup and on that roster, so... Still not to be taken lightly, and Tampa is obviously uh, played the best baseball of anyone this season. And then Houston comes to town uh, Monday, May 22nd. So schedule uh, gets hard in theory with St. Louis and hard in terms of you know the quality of the opponent in Tampa and Houston. 
Although I've not checked Houston's record lately. I know they had, were off to a bit of a slow start. It says, uh, if you're in St. Louis, it says uh, here on ESPN, which I think is a, a link to some third-party ticketing site. But it $5. says, uh, tickets, is, tickets as low as $5. Best fans in baseball, my ass. I was enjoying that, too. Um, I know it's all three games being $5. I was like, Cardinals fans are not having fun. Uh, the Astros are 21-19 and 19 to answer okay. that for you. They're okay. They've around the back and they're I think a better team than the record suggests it's really fair to say I am looking forward to the series I think three good pitching matchups um Flaherty seems like must watch for various reasons at the moment um he's yelling at reporters about his velocity like it's, <laughs> it's just telling incredible. Them they, they, they don't understand pitching it's been it's been great so I hope he gets shelled but we'll see what happens <laughs> he, may, he may well get shelled is the thing uh he He's not the kind of player who at the moment it seems like is probably desperate to be like, oh, maybe Christian Yelich has rediscovered something. Um, so if Yelly wants to, you know, block up another two homers off him, that'd be fun. I I just think good matchups all around and a real opportunity for the Brewers. Go and just stamp them in the dirt. Go and finish the job off. There's enough kind of discontent there already. They've tried to blame everything. Everything they can on Contreras. And it doesn't really seem like much of any of it is his fault. It's just kind of incredible. It seems like maybe they made the mistake in thinking he was the solution. But he's largely kind of doing what he does. And yeah, I don't know. Um, Maybe the Contreras brothers can have a catch up and talk about their situations and We'll see how that goes. But I am very uh, much looking forward to this series. One note. I'm trying to find this. Uh, uh, Wilson. Oh, so William Contreras had a very strange series, I'll call it. He played the first two games. Um, and he didn't record a hit. But I think he walked four times in the two games. Do I have that correct? Let's see. I've got it up right here. Uh, he, he walked three he, times in game one. Yeah, so he walked three times in game one and yeah, once yeah, in game right. two. So, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't making the contact he wanted that resulted in hits, but he got on base. So not Listen, not beer worthy, but but good for him. We like him. We love our on base king. Maybe that is beer worthy. Should should we be doing that before we move on? I that might be a first. I mean, I. But I, that, I, that uh... is beer wordy. I mean, tree walks. That's yeah. He's getting he's getting one, Andrew. We need to we need to add that. I'm adding it as we speak. He you was on base fifty percent of the time in the series. I'm glad that you decided to you bring don't have that to up tell again. me. I love on base guys. Uh, so that's William Contreras getting a beer. That's his fifth of the season. So add him to that mix of guys with five beers. I think that's the largest group right now guys on five beers and now there's nobody on four so yeah William Contreras uh is is more power to come I don't know but for right now guys living on the base pass get his mail there hey it works it all adds up all right I think that pretty much does it for us for now make sure you never miss an episode of Cruising for Bruising subscribe wherever you get your podcasts you should also be locked in on the rest of our podcasts around the Eurostep Podcast Network. 
We've got the main feed, Eurostep Podcast Network feed, home to all things Milwaukee Bucks, home to winning six with myself and Jordan and Eurostep with Ty Winnish and Rohan Cotty. Up next there, a special crossover episode where we will run the rule over, oh boy, the Bucks coaching candidates. Um, those who've been reported and our own personal favorites. Spoiler, Ty is going to really go to bat for Mark Jackson. He's so excited to be <laughs> He's just, I, I don't know. We're going to have to talk about him. Um, for all things Green Bay Packers, go check out Talking to Sundra. Jordan and Numak have you covered on everything from title down. And... For more from Andrew and I, and for all things pop culture, go subscribe to Make Time for This. Up next there, we will have a succession episode after episode 8. I'm not sure when exactly we'll get out this week. If it's early, if it's late, it'll certainly be before the next episode. So, if you're watching Succession, if you're loving Succession, like all of us, make sure you go check that out and make time for this this week. You can find us on Repod. Share your thoughts on episodes. You can get in the Discord, gspn.info. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.